Hello, and welcome to another episode of Cast It Into the Fire podcast. I'm Sarah. I'm Bill. And we are back to House of the Dragon, episode 5, We Light the Way. And I should note that this is the first episode in either Game of Thrones series that is both written and directed by a woman. Oh, is it? It is. And it also is going to be the last appearance of some of the younger versions of certain characters they're recasting to have um, uh, older Rhaenyra and Alicent. And I also think they might be doing that with um, Leonor too. Yeah. So we start off with, you know, in the Vale, which is the mountainous region where... uh, Houses Aaron, Royce, and so on live. And Damon's lawful wife, Rhea Royce. Yeah, his, his uh, at least supposedly lawful wife. Yes. Well, we're going to get into this right now. Um, she She's off um, hunting. She specifically insists on hunting alone. Um, she's going for a deer. Um... Which she apparently hasn't gotten, but she has gotten some pheasants. And she's got a really cool armor on with runes on it. The famous uh, bronze um, runic armor of House Royce. And you see her doing some fast riding on her horse. I think she's cool. Yeah, well, that's the interesting thing. She was not what I was expecting. She, I don't know what exactly I was expecting, but I was expecting definitely something more like royal and pampered, and she's not. Actually, they seem alike in a lot of, well, not I think, really alike, but like, they both seem like the type that are like, you know, not pampered, they're like, you know, they'd rather be riding and stuff like that, and you know, I'm sure that's what they, they don't like each other for reasons like that, so. I think she's a strong, tough woman who doesn't like uh, Damon's baloney. Yeah, um, exactly. And he uh, he can't handle that, so he, uh... And maybe she's just, a little too not blonde enough, not related enough. Yeah, well, I mean, there you go. Okay, whatever. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how... I mean, we know that Damon's taste seem to vary, but they, they, he does not seem to like his wife specifically. He seems to dislike her. So, first thing she says is... Yeah, she she's riding alone, and she sees him c- walking up the mountain path kind of hooded as if he doesn't really want to be recognized, but we can all tell it's him. Yeah, it's very obviously him. And she greets him like, oh, if you come back, if you come back to finally consummate our marriage, yeah, that's if I'd the, let you. That's the uh, thing that I said supposedly, because in Westeros law, you are not married if you do not consummate that marriage, especially if you're a royal. It'd be one thing if it'd be like, you know, a regular person or something like that. But yeah, I don't know how uh, public is, that knowledge is, but... This is one of the highest-ranking aristocrats in the nation, so... so and this has added to the fan theories that Damon might be having some uh, trouble sexually. No, that doesn't that doesn't mesh you well with that. He's you. he's having all these sex parties. That, Sexy parties. And yeah. if if he was really having that problem, you'd think he would. Uh, Keep that totally secret and not be... But maybe, here's the thing. Somebody was talking about how she's... The the prostitute that he married. I'm sorry, the sex worker that he married. Like, 
she supposedly, you said barren or something? She's she, sterile? She apparently did something to make it so she can't what? get pregnant. Oh, really? Oh, okay. She I don't know it. whether she she's did. drinking the tea or whether she did some sort well, of I magic. I was just going to wonder if maybe Damon's the one who's not able to, because you, be you can be as sexually active as possible, and if you're sterile, you're sterile. So, maybe, I thought maybe that was the case, especially because of Targaryen, you know, inbreeding and all that, and I hear of all these other troubles with Targaryens, maybe they've been unable to have it, maybe that's what she meant, she doesn't view it as that, but then again, maybe he didn't consummate at all, in which case, well, what happened? Or maybe, maybe just... she didn't let him because he made that comment about the woman being uglier than the sheep and the... Well, who knows when he made that, I mean, I thought she just, I thought that was a rumor oh, getting back to but... Well, the... I don't know. Yeah, she's right. also like, maybe we'll find a willing sheep. You yeah, said she they're prettier. No, I know she knows about that, but I thought maybe she heard him say that. She had a spy find that out for her, that he said that. Or maybe he oh, said she. I don't think she's high enough up on the scale to have spies. Yeah, but how do you... I don't know. I mean, she, she might have them anyway, because she's a... Uh, she's, she seems already like a resourceful and strong woman, as you yeah. said. Who knows? Well, anyway, this is all speculation. Anyway. Because a lot of this did not happen in the book, apparently. Like this, at least. Yeah, in the um, book it was different, and I'll explain how it's different when I get to it. But... Yeah, because we're going to get to a very critical part. So, um, she also mentions to him about how he was passed over for that little girl in the inheritance, meaning Rhaenyra, yeah. and is he going to strike her down? And then he gets a look in his eye, and she looks worried right away, and she reaches for her bow. Well, he, here's the way I took it. I mean, well, well, all right, no, Sarah, you, you finish. I'm sorry. sorry like, no, this is all happening it. in very quick time, so you, that I rewatched it a few times to be like, what I just you, see? You finish it, and then I'll give my take on what exactly happened. She so reaches that. for her bow, and he makes a quick motion near the horse's nose. I didn't actually see what he did, or... Because he didn't seem to actually hit the horse, but he did something, and the horse starts rearing up and throws her from the saddle. The horse falls over, too, and the horse gets up, and she doesn't. She's on the ground with, apparently, some severe injuries, like broken neck. Uh, Yeah, she can't get up. And... um, He starts to walk away. He just starts to walk away, and she's like, you can't finish anything craven and he turns around picks up a rock and goes toward her and next thing there's the scene switches to a fish getting its head chopped off and kind of a sickening squelch noise yeah it was squelch uh okay so this is how i saw it he went towards her and was messing with the horse seemingly deliberately for whatever reason as if he was as you said either trying to pet it or trying to like reel it in like get get it and the horse is acting crazy. Um, I mean, it's not super crazy, but it's clearly acting spooked. She, he looks at her. He didn't even get that much of a look so much as he looks directly at her. But yeah, he smiles in a sort of a weird Damon way. always looks sketchy. Uh, yeah, exactly. And, uh, and yet everyone apparently thinks he's hot. But anyway, whatever. Um, so he... Then goes towards that, and she. No well, matter she, what he she, does, the daemon thus continues. Reaches for, she reaches for the bow, and he sees her reach for the bow. And as she's reaching for the bow, and he's watching her do this, he puts his hand towards it, like quickly, 
like waves it. That's all he does, as far as I can tell. And I'm sure, uh, by all means, if somebody wants to correct that, I guess go ahead. But it, then, fun then, fact: the blind spot on a horse that's right in front of its nose. Yeah. So yeah, because that's that's how that works, and I can go into that, but that'll take the entirety of the podcast if I can go into that. They talk about eye placement on prey species yeah, of yeah, animals, I'm not and go yes. Into that. Uh, <laughs> so the horse gets spooked, and it. It flings over, like completely rears over and falls over. She is, yeah, she's, and basically Sarah did the rest of the recap perfectly. But I just wanted to add that it looked like he knew what he was doing. Now I asked Sarah, do Targaryens possess some sort of innate telepathic ability with other animals besides dragons? And she said no. And I wondered what could have this been and Sarah actually made a very good point maybe the horse smelled dragon on him and maybe he knew for, I mean, for all we knew he knew that horse in particular would act very skittish around dragons so who knows um, it seemed deliberate but it seemed like how can that be deliberate because that's a 100% chance she did reach for her bow though so that was interesting uh, I think this may that it being scripted this way may even be a sort of trying to muddy the the waters as to I would still call what happened murder, but it, with her reaching for her bow, trying to muddy things on the self defense scale yeah, of things. Well, well, that's the thing. They, well, they clearly don't like each other. It was clearly whoever would have gotten the opportunity. But yeah, it's, they did a similar thing with okay. Consider this a spoiler for the main Game of yeah, Thrones series, which you have had plenty we, of time to know about. We, we discussed this. This is a minor spoiler. We're going to be getting to this in future chapters of Game of Thrones. When but. Tyrion kills Shay in the book, uh, he just kills her. In the show, she reaches for a knife that's on a plate of fruit before he starts killing her, make it making it very slightly have a bit more of a self-defense shift. Ma- 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 making these... Oh, maybe I'm the one to say it. Male characters not look like scum, more scumbaggy than they want them to for the audience. Even though you know they're still, they still. Oh, Tyrion definitely got a a makeover from his book. Also, Tyrion, to be fair, he was always a always ruthless in the book and a good chunk of the show. And B, this was like a feud against his dad, which that alone is like that like sets at a level of you know, messed up uh, that it normally wouldn't be at. But anyway, we're that the minor, minor spoiler. Also, we won't go into that anymore. Uh, but the point is that they make it... I don't, I don't know, Sarah, you wanted to say something or was it going to be more about the Game of Thrones thing? No, it's just that once again, I don't think this absolves what happened from being murder, yeah. but after she was thrown by the horse I think she was possibly goading him into finishing the job so she wouldn't die slowly with a broken neck out in the nowheres which uh yeah that's a kind of dark messed up idea to be going down but I think that may have been what was going on so anyway Enough about that. We switch to the fish getting its head cut off on board ship. Rhaenyra, Viserys, and the court, they're all sailing to Driftmark, the seat of House Valerion. 
um, King isn't looking so good, and um, he's seasick, and he might be regular sick too, but he's getting seasick, and he's got a fancy decorated kingly barf bucket, but he doesn't want to use the kingly barf bucket. He wants to barf over the side. Yeah, no, he doesn't. Um... And also, traveling to Driftmark is Damon and How Strong. Um, we switch over to Alicent is arguing with her father Otto, and this is right before he leaves because he was dismissed as hand. Yeah, that's that's uh, that, that that's sort of an interesting thing. Yeah, and he's angry with her for believing. Anything Rhaenyra said, basically, and for supporting her claim, and um, Otto wants to advance her children, and uh, well, let's be real, also advance House Hightower indirectly. That is what that is. That it's, is what it is. Yeah. And he correctly tells her that. When Viserys dies, there's going to be a war over the claim to the throne. One one side has dragons, though. That's the thing. But anyway, that's always my point of that. Well, the thing is, both sides have dragons. That's true. They are going to. They're going to have dragons, and there is going to be... Well, whatever. We know what's going to happen to an extent. And he's also saying Rhaenyra is going to kill Alicent's children if they're in the way and is she going to cleave to Rhaenyra and pray for her mercy and um, Alicent is uh, crying during this and then uh, Otto rides off on his horse and he's gone yep now, is that the last we're going to hear from him or what um, for the time being. Okay, gotcha. Viserys, um, his hand Lionel Strong, his new hand Lionel Strong, and guards arrive in Driftmark. Um, Leonor and Joffrey Lawnmouth are sparring in the yard. Yes, Joffrey. Yeah, this is... There's another Joffrey. This is a different Joffrey. I guess Joffrey's a name, which, you know, Joffrey, to be fair, is a name. So, I guess it's a previous Joffrey. Um, Lionel finds it insulting that Corlys did not come out to greet the royal party himself. Um, they're actually greeted by his daughter, Lyanna, who um has also been recast. She looks like about 18 or so now or maybe even 20 as opposed to like 12 before. To reflect, you know, time passage. Yeah. And it, she says is that Corlys has just arrived and is we hasten to the castle already to await the king's arrival. Um next you see Larry's strong and Alicent in the God's Wood, and they've got a heart tree that's weeping sap from its eyes. 
carved face. And then um, they have the plant that you took Yeah, that plant, in. yes. Larry's points out an, a quote-unquote Ovalis bush, which is apparently a tropical hibiscus, actually, a Chinese variety of it. Um, hibiscus sinensis, I believe. Yeah. And he's like, oh, yes, this Ovalis, it's native to Bravos, and by all rights, it shouldn't even be thriving here. I don't know what kind of metaphor he's trying to make there, but I'm sure there's something. I mean, that's what it sounded like to me. We replayed that one several times. Just to be like, what did he just call it? Yeah. What did he call it? Um, I would not actually call Bravos the kind of climate that that would be happy in, but... I think it would tolerate Bravos at best. Being, as I said, a tropical hibiscus. Um, but this kind of might be a nod to fan theories about Daenerys and her lemon tree. And, oh, she remembered a lemon tree, so was her memories of Bravos a lie. Maybe she's from Dorne instead. Or, but maybe it's a lemon tree from the Sea Lord's garden. Like, there's theories about that, and it might be a nod to it. Yeah, very well could be. I mean, I don't know as much as you do on that, but yeah. Well, those are fan theories about Daenerys remembering a house with a red door and a lemon tree. Mm -hmm. Hey, I've got a lemon tree and a little pot in the yard. Should paint the door red? Ha! Um. Yeah. So... Larry's gives his condolences to Allison about her father being fired as hand, except um, he never actually says the word fired. He's like, oh, I, for his being gone or whatever. I forgot the exact wording, but he he never directly said fired. He used euphemisms that, oh yeah, departure, as if he died. Yeah. And he kind of backhandedly is like, oh yeah, Rhaenyra is unwell. The Grand Maester is bringing her tea. It must be a serious condition if the Grand Maester himself is bringing her tea. Yeah. So he's not directly saying that the princess may have gotten pregnant and gotten the Plan B tea. But said it hintingly enough that, yeah, you say it to a woman in that world and she's going to guess. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so Larry's is very much kind of a slimy, sneaky character. Um, could compare to both Varys and Littlefinger in this way. That's how I view it. I mean, maybe not as bad as Book Littlefinger. Book, Book Littlefinger. Very little few are as bad as Book Littlefinger. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Book Littlefinger is like his own dimension. Um, Corley's and Rainey's do uh, receive the king, and the king is, once again, not looking too good, and his hand is hidden by a glove. Um, they bring up Damon's wife, who had died from a hunting mishap, 
and neck and skull crushed in a fall in case there was any doubt as to what happened in the cutscene. But that's what happened in the book, except for it was an act. Yes, in the book it was, as far as I can tell by reading it, an actual accident. She rode her horse onto cobblestones, and the horse threw her... Shoe, and then it got de-shoed, was it? It didn't get de-shoed, but it threw her, and she was... Smashed on the cobblestone. Yeah, but she survived for like a week or two, and then... um, felt well enough to get up and then died, and uh, yeah, I and think then if... Died? That's and then died? And then died. Then again, it's George R. R. Martin. Who knows what that means? <laughs> yes, but if Damon had caused the riding accident, I would think she would have remembered it, unless she had some amnesia like Bran. Yeah, I don't... Yeah, well... I think that's one of those things where... But Bran's amnesia was, like, magical in nature. I think that's one of those brilliances, though, where, as Sarah said, the the book is different, where it'll be, like, different accounts of what happened. It's compiled, yeah. The show is another account of what happened. Yeah, it's like, okay, this maester with his own biases compiled stuff from another maester, a priest, and an inappropriate court jester... They all had their own slant on things. You know, the priest wants everyone to look pious. The jester wants everyone to look salacious. The maester's got his own... You know, trying to look good for the citadel, probably. And So who knows, like, what thing really happened that's sort of like the thing is written down. Um, yes, she's noted as a capable rider. You know, like someone who would be less likely to fall off their horse randomly. Although that happens to capable riders too. Uh, there's a reason why all stables have a... Around here, modern day, they've got that sign out being like... The stable's not responsible, riding horses is inherently dangerous, it's your responsibility... Yeah. So. Um, the king proposes marriage between Rhaenyra and Leonor, which. Yeah. Corlys is actually kind of insulted by that. He's like, You want this match for your daughter after. After his cousin dragged them into the war. Now. I wasn't sure which cousin at first, but I'm like, it's gotta be Damon. Yeah, that's that's the way I think of that, too. And their discussion of how the succession is going to work. Viserys wants Rhaenyra's firstborn, male or female, to be the heir. Which, uh... Yeah, that's how Dorne does it. But Wester- For Westeros, that's unusual. And Corley's wants the offspring to be named you know, House Valerian as their last name. And when they ascend to the throne to also stay as House Valerian. <laughs> so the answer to that is no. Or rather, they can stay Valerian. Uh, you can stay Valerian ascend. until you ascend, but you're Targaryen now. Yeah, uh, and they are Targaryen. I mean, you know... There's the argument that the Targaryens are kind of... A House Valerian is not going to be... The ruling house that easily. Nope. 
Um, next scene, it's... But, um, but, but that is a really generous offer. That is a really generous way to get them in there and all that. And they could eventually come out on top. Like, he gave them pretty much everything except for, like, what would have been the most unreasonable demand. And they just tried to do it to try to do it in the name of, you know, honor in a weird, twisted parody of honoring Westerosi culture. But anyway. Rhaenyra is seen walking on the beach with Leonor, who she's betrothed to. And she says she has to marry. She's glad it's him. And she knows that he's gay, although Westeros doesn't have the word gay. So she's like, oh, some prefer duck and some prefer goose. And that's... We all know what they're talking about. They know what they're talking about. uh, That's how they word it. And she suggests an open marriage where they each do their thing. You know, he can go and be with a man and she can be with a man that's not him, but they will politically be married and do their duty, you know, in the eyes of the realm. So they're both going into the marriage not intending to actually be faithful to each other, but they're trying to make things work with what is going on and, um... Leonor's orientation and Rhaenyra having somebody she would prefer to be with. Um, they show Corley's and Rainey's talking and that's where they actually speak of how uh, they're insulted by this marriage proposal with being dragged into the war. Yeah. And Corley's is like, are they taken with each other? And Rainey's knows that he is gay. Corley's is like, oh, he'll outgrow it because there's no pleasure like betting a woman. But he's a straight man. No, he's he's a straight man. Who is married to someone that he's in love with. And outgrowing it is not normally how that works. That's not how it works at all. And it's I think that, that it's just, you know, them being, you know... Regressive in their little Targaryen or their little Westerosi ways, because Westeros, Westeros disapproves is, of it. I mean, it's not outright it's illegal, not but illegal, but it is frown, it's frowned upon culturally. So, um, Rhaenys thinks that the succession is going to lead to war, and Corlys brings up that it's rightfully her who should have been queen, and he's right. Yes, that's true. And she says that the people wouldn't stand for a woman ruler, which is also true. Yep. Well, that that that's I mean that's probably true, but I mean it's pretty true. If 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 the you know nobility was behind her and she had her dragons, they'd have no choice. So. Uh, but someone they're not gonna like it. Some of them. Happen. It's not gonna happen. Um, Leonor is seen in the sand dunes with his partner Joffrey Longmouth. So the Joffrey that I mentioned, he's already in a long-term relationship with Leonor. And it's strongly hinted that they are in the books. Very strongly hinted. Yeah. Like, I didn't doubt it. Joffrey says he treaded when Leonor would have to marry a woman. And um, Joffrey makes a joke about how Rhaenyra is going to allow them to continue their relationship. Joffrey kind of makes everything into a joke. Yeah. And they kiss and 
Leonor says it seems that she has a paramour too and wonders who he is. Um, next you see Venera and Kristen on board ships each straight switch over to the paramour. In case the audience tells who it is, you know. And he proposes to her that she get away from these duties that she says she doesn't want. And run away to Essos with him. Marry him for love. Have the freedom to do what they want. And they can have, like, oranges and... Now, this actually is an account from the books. Um one of the conflicting accounts from one of the writers. And she turns him down. She says that she is the crown. She can't just choose infamy and she doesn't like these duties, but she isn't going to give up the throne for him but she doesn't make it sound like it's about her own ambition to be queen it's more like she's got a duty to the realm to be queen and she's not going to be known as the princess who ran away from that yeah she will not be that person who who ran away to be with some guy instead of fulfilling her duty to be the next in line. I also, if we're going to be honest, I think she also doesn't want to give up that power. <laughs> she's yeah. been kind of waiting for it, and now it's like definitely hers. And I don't think she's power hungry per se, but she views it as her birthright, and she would view it as run, fleeing her birthright. Which right. I understand. In the book, it's more directly portrayed that way about her birthright. Yeah, yeah. And I think. And I in, think that the, that's in the show, that's making it more like it's duty and some kind of prophecy that but, a Targaryen's got to be. Yeah, exactly. But I, I, I fully. I fully understand why she would say, no, fuck you, this is my birthright. So She explains the uh, open marriage arrangement to Kristen. Like, yeah. and she's like, their relationship doesn't have to end. But he doesn't want to be her side dude, and he used the word whore. But, yeah, um, and that's the thing, and this is what happens later. Uh, this comes up again later. And, you know, it's it's reasonable to not want to be the side dude or side woman or side anyone and you know to want to be the only one but it's also reasonable for her not to just want to give up being queen whether it's responsibility or her own ambition just to marry this guy that she slept with once yeah but he I think he I feel like they get the impression that he's in love with her and he wants I think he is her to himself and he wants to leave it all behind and be free and she wants things to stay the way they are and I think she does want him but doesn't want to isn't going to relinquish her power right for that which again these are both understandable stances on both ends but you know Clearly, they're inconsolable. Now, this this is interesting. He said he already soiled his white cloak by breaking his chastity vow, and he thought marrying her was the way to make it right. Now, here's the thing. The actual vows say, I won't marry and I won't father sons. Yeah. Or I I won't father children. And, you know, we go into that. The golden cloaks and the night's watch and the maesters and all that, they're always having sex. 
they're constantly having sex all the time with you know prostitutes but you know, they sex don't workers and all that stuff they're just they're they don't get they don't have any heirs and you know they don't have any wives so and they can't so marriage would actually literally break the words of that vow yeah exactly and also there was one king's guard in their history who married now the thing was he actually married uh, seven different wives that didn't know about each other's existence <laughs> and oh when he got found That's out hilarious. he got annulled with all of them That's he got a certain hilarious. part removed and he got sent to the night's watch. watch oh okay so he was trying to be he was trying to do he a was lot called lucamore the lusty yeah he was trying to do a lot of things there A page um, summons Sir Kristen to see Allison. At least I assume he was a page. I don't know who that guy was. Boy, red outfit. And Allison is holding a crying baby Helena and hands her off to a maid. And she says she's going to question him on a delicate matter. And she had word of the princess's lapse of virtue. But she just couldn't think of the princess doing this. You know, with Damon. She's thinking of Damon. She doesn't know about them having anything with Kristen. And Kristen just right away confesses his own sex with Anira and asks to be executed instead of gilded and tortured. Which I think is actually a bit melodramatic on his part because it's likely that the punishment for what he did would be join the Night's Watch. He'd probably even still get to keep his... uh, anatomy but he thinks he's going to be gilded and tortured if he gets found out and maybe he was thinking of Lucamore the Lusty who was King's Guard before he was so he would have to know about him yeah maybe but you know with a princess that's a lot more scandalous than just having a girlfriend. Yes, it is. By a lot. So anyway, he then... uh... And well, after this confession, Allison is turning away and crying. Um, Next, you see Viserys with his hand Lionel Strong and two maesters. And they're talking about leeching him and purple poultices. Uh... I don't know what a purple poultice is. My thought is of, oh, gentian purple, but I That's don't think probably, they had something like that back then. Yeah, but they may have had something similar, because this is, you know, fictional. This is fantasy, so maybe they have something. And similar. leeches, well, they were kind of the panacea for stuff. And to some people still are. Uh, there have been a few genuine, legit use of leeches, such as controlling bleeding during certain kind of surgeries even in modern day but yeah you got a problem just pop some leeches on it this is not medical advice from me nope um any uh, leech endeavors that you do are on you entirely well leeches do have some medicinal properties but yeah we do not endorse or deny the use of leeches disclaimer disclaimer anyway um his whole arm looks like blackened and messed up and it is confirmed by the actor Patty Considine that Viserys is supposed to have leprosy which makes zero sense 
Yeah, no, you said that was book canon. That is not book canon. Oh, it's not. He just has a heart attack. Or in the in book canon, he okay. has yeah. an infection from cutting his hand on the throne, which does get nasty, but it doesn't come back after he gets so he part of his leprosy. hand cut off. And he has various um, like heart issues and gout and yeah. just... But not leprosy. He does not have leprosy, and there's nowhere he would have reasonably gotten leprosy from, which is contagious. It's less contagious than many people think it is, but it's still contagious enough that it had to have come from somewhere, and that Alicent would likely have had it too from the close proximity, and she doesn't. But however things are going, Viserys is not doing well, and he's... Um, talking about, oh, he doesn't have any major military accomplishments as king, and is he even going to be remembered? How is he going to be remembered? And, you know, the hand is saying that, you know, to some people, the lack of war might be remembered as a good thing. But he's like, no, it's not going to be remembered in the songs a hundred or five hundred years from now, which... Yeah, Viserys does not stand out in the history of Targaryen kings to readers in particular. Except for he marks the beginning of an interesting occasion. Yeah. But maybe you don't want to be remembered like Mago the Cruel either. Um, two dragons are seen flying. You see these two dragons <clears throat> for less than a minute. Dragon quota too low. Yep. And the last episode was like this too. You see two dragons for less than a minute this time. I think they are Cyrax and Sea Smoke. Um, you see ships sailing. They're on their way to the royal wedding. Guests arrive. Jason Lannister and Hobart Hightower and others. Um, when I saw Hobart Hightower, I kept looking to see whether I thought that the woman with him was Samantha Tarly. I don't think she was. I think she was his first wife. I think that Samantha would have been younger and I saw no sign of any Tarly sigil on her outfit at all. Nope. Um, you see... A table full of food, some of which looks weirdly burned looking. And you had a joke about that. Wait, which thing? About how burned looking some of the food on that table looked. Oh, yeah, they're Targaryens. What if the Targaryens love to eat burned food? They love burned food. They can only eat it burned. I mean, that's not a thing, but what if it was? Um, Gerald Royce is there. Um, Jason Lannister makes a stupid joke about men ma- waging war because women would take too long to get ready for the battle. Should just insert Gandalf saying, I suppose you think that was terribly clever. Yeah. Um, there's condolences to Lord Royce on Rhea's um, quote-unquote passing. The Valerians arrive. Um, Here we go. There's ominous looks at Kristen, like the camera keeps panning to his face. Um, Damon arrives too. And the king starts making this speech about alliance with House Valerion. 
and the speech cuts off as Allison arrives late in a green dress, and everyone stands up in silence. Um, Harwin Strong says the king will not be happy with his speech being interrupted, and Larry says, says to Harwin, do you know what color the high towers light their beacon when they go to war? It's green. Yeah. And there's this ominous music playing, and she goes and like politely congratulates Rhaenyra. Yeah, she committed, apparently committed a major faux pas, and I was like, "What? What's going on? Why is this ominous? She's the queen. She's supposed to be there." But Sarah explained their bizarre culture to me. Sorry, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make fun of it a little bit. Yeah, it's like oh. Like she arrived late and she's wearing a green dress of House Hightower. Well, it wasn't even St. Patrick's Day, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> and. So, yeah, apparently this, of all things, was really shocking. And. Um. Later in the series, like, I don't think it's a big spoiler at this point. If you know about the story at all, Civil War is brewing. And now I will give you. A bit of a spoiler. The factions are called the Blacks and the Greens, and they were after the dresses that Rhaenyra and Alicent wore to a party. Um, so I guess this is that green dress. Now, Rhaenyra was not wearing black. Rhaenyra had on her white and gold, like, you know, she's getting married. So obviously, this is a bit of a change, but. Yeah, everybody's just in stunned shock at her coming in wearing this dress. And in a way, Rhaenyra is... Sorry, Allison is seen at different times wearing like greeny, bluey kind of dresses. That kind of seems like her look. Um, but as another podcaster has pointed out, um, I believe it was History of Westeros podcast, she had started wearing the red and the black of House Targaryen to kind of show she was assimilating in. Um, so her going back to wearing green could be a political statement. Now she's, she's Hightower now. She's her own identity in her own house. And this was a shocker. This was a big faux pas. And she interrupted the king's speech by coming in late. Music got real ominous. So he goes back to his speech. Seven days of tournament and feasting. And after that, the wedding. Um, Rhaenyra and um, Leonor start dancing with each other. And there's meaningful camera glances at Damon, Joffrey, and Kristen. There's people playing drums in the background. Um, one of the drummers is a little person, and I wonder if this could be Mushroom. They're including Mushroom after all. Or it might not be Mushroom, just might just be a drummer. But it'd be cool if he was there. Yeah, but that was sort of a, a possibility. But yeah, you never know. Um, so anyway, but then what happens is that the... Uh... Oh yeah, Gerald Royce, he takes his suspicions of Rhea's death to Damon. And Damon is like, Oh, this foul play, are you confessing to something, Gerald? Um, well, if you're suggesting I'm did it, that's slander. I could uh, take legal action against you. 
And he's like, I'm heir to Runestone now, and I'm going to be seeing Lady Jane Aaron about it. She being the one who is ruling uh, the entire Vale right now as the uh, high lady of it all. And, oh, Damon is making eyes at both Rhaenyra and Lyanna. And she asks Lyanna to dance and kind of flirting with her. Oh, you're almost as pretty as your brother. Because that's Damon's way. He's flirting with her and kind of insulting her at the same time. Yeah. And, oh, she's into this. And she's dancing with him and talking and... Um... Joffrey suggests to Leonor that Kristen has had his bridesmaiden head, which would be a big insult normally, but I don't think that Leonor is particularly interested in that. And then he says, what does he say? Um, it's a good thing she knows your secret and that uh, now you know her secret. And then Joffrey goes to Kristen. And it's kind of like he's taunting him. Like, you, they make a handsome match, don't they? Uh, they... And they, they call me the Knight of Kisses. I don't know why. Now, okay, first off, the reason why he's the Knight of Kisses is because in the book, his shield crest is covered with, like, lip marks and skulls. Very edgy. Yeah. I mean, that's why... Um, we are both deeply invested in this. And, and Sir Leonor is quite dear to me as the princess is to you. We should swear to guard their secrets. And what happens then? Well, it doesn't happen right then. But, yeah, Kristen isn't liking this. So it's it's kind of like um, Joffrey wants to have Kristen in on this as yeah we just don't tell about this but he's taunting him at the same time yeah which well, does not justify at all anything that happens later with him anyway. oh, he so might be <sighs> yeah Damon goes to Rhaenyra is this what you want and she's like well what I want doesn't matter and Damon says, Leonor is a good man and a fine knight, but he's going to bore you. Rhaenyra, pointedly, marriage is political. Yeah. And Damon says, well, mine was recently dissolved. Rhaenyra says, I'm not married yet. Why don't you cut through my king's guard, carry me to Dragonstone, make me your wife. So she's flirting with her uncle at her wedding to her cousin. In front of her dad. And this is all in and Valyrian, but her dad can understand Valyrian. He's, he's just looking it, he's, at it. He's like... He's clearly catching some of this. And catching the gist of this. And then some men come in. I'm not sure who they are. They I guess some like guards. They seemed like they were guards or something. The whole thing happened really fast. I thought it was... Utter like panic and chaos. And Kristen just snaps and beats Joffrey's face to a pulp. <laughs> and nobody's even trying to stop him. The musicians don't even stop playing. Yeah, um, and I, I first thought, thought that this was a kidnapping attempt on the princess, and it wasn't. Because Harwin Strong comes in and Fireman carries 
chase the princess yeah, out I, over I his shoulder. That, I thought that this was like a plot. This whole thing took me off guard. And it apparently took everyone off guard, because I'm uh, judging by the comments. Never the go to a Westeros wedding, yeah. elope. Uh. Yeah. And well, Sarah guessed that. That, that this is like, the, now Westeros can't have a normal wedding because of the red wedding, because of other weddings. Oh, this was an abnormal wedding before the red wedding. Um, this, so yeah, this total shocker in the middle of the wedding and the crowd is just panicking and not trying to stop any of this at all. Yeah. And uh, afterward, rats are seen at the blood. Yeah, symbolically. Now the rats, uh, they could be seen in various ways, like much with um, what's going on with Viserys' arm? It could be a symbol of like vermin and rot in the kingdom, or it could be. I'm not going to spoil you on what this is, but if you know it, you know it. The blood and cheese incident. It's coming, and uh, the the rats are the cheese, and the blood's the blood. Yeah. If you don't know what this is, I'm not telling you. Uh, look it up if you want, or wait for it to happen. If you do know what this is, uh, you know. Now, a uh, book difference. In the book, there's a tourney going on for the wedding. And Kristen um, goes pretty wild in the tourney, too. But seeing as a tourney is an organized fight, it can look a lot less like murder. It, yeah, whereas this time it... Oh, he's beating to death an unarmed man in the middle of a dance public. floor. In public. This would be harder for the history books to reconcile. Uh, in the tourney, he breaks a few bones on Harwin. So Harwin break bones became Harwin broken bones. Mm -hmm. And um, he whacks Joffrey with a morning star, which, uh, yeah, that's not going to be pretty. And Joffrey actually lives for several days after that, and Leonor's oh. by his side the whole time, but he doesn't make it. Yeah. So yeah, Leonor is weeping on Joffrey's body. The king is having an impromptu nosebleed. The wedding vows commence anyway, and with both... Rhaenyra and Leonor, especially Leonor, grieving. So there they are going through with their wedding after Leonor just watched his partner be murdered. And if they're going by Westeros customs, he's still going to have to sleep with her after seeing this happen to his loved one. So yeah, none of this is good. One of the worst weddings. Not red wedding level, but way up there. So anyway. Um, Christ while the vows are taking place, Kristen has gone to the Godswood and he has out his dagger and he's about to, as far as we can tell, end his life by um, committing seppuku. Yeah, he was trying to actually commit honest to goodness seppuku. At uh, 
the queen stops him. And the king just collapses. And that's the end of that. That is the end of the episode. Now, I don't think it's necessarily a spoiler to see what say what I saw in the preview for the upcoming episode that they showed to everybody. I didn't see that part. Well, the king isn't dead. He looks in rough shape, even worse, but he is still alive. He did not die from collapsing at the wedding. Um, you see various uh, offspring of people, including brown-haired, implied illegitimate because uh, they're not uh, blonde Targaryen-looking. Yeah. Like, like, oh, this is an mis- embarrassing mistake once, but you let it happen three times, so this is implying Rhaenyra was not faithful to... Uh, Leonor, and he wasn't the father of the kids, which doesn't surprise me, seeing as he is gay. Yeah. Um, you see a dragon egg being carried, that's cool. You see a very big dragon, which I'm hoping is Vagar, and you see a smaller dragon being led in chains. <laughs> I hope I actually see both of these dragons in the next yeah, episode. Yeah, there's been a disappointing lack of dragons. And I'll, I'll save this rant short. We gotta end the episode, but my friend, I've had friends saying, "Oh, there's been enough dragons." No, now there really hasn't been enough dragons. There needs to be it's more. It's House dragons. of the Dragons. I want to see some dragons. I, and they're paying a fortune for this. I want to see the dragons. I mean, I had a similar complaint. Like you know, movies they need to do more, and shows need to do more. They spend a million dollars. You know. Billions of dollars in budgets or whatever. I want to see dragons and dragons and dragons. I wanted to see... I wanted to see Thanos in the original Infinity War fight Eternity on the big screen. And I knew that wasn't going to happen, but... There's not enough special effects in the world for that. But... I, they're doing this. I want there to be dragons. I want them to... Just Where are things. my dragons? Yeah. Well... This is the end of the episode, and thank you for listening to Cast Into the Fire podcast. Good night. Good night.